Uh, not Dan. How are you? I'm good. I'm not Dan. <laughs> You're not Dan. You could just call me not Dan. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Brad is not Dan. <laughs> um, for those of you listening at home that don't know Megan, hi, Megan. You should probably recognize her voice from uh, The Call of Cthulhu, uh, Deep Dark of Radiance, which is playing all of the time right now on our on our channel. So, hi, Megan. Oh, hello. How, how are you? I'm good. This is awkward as all fuck. It all right, is. so tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> Um, well, I guess I can start with like, how I like met you guys. Um, I met you guys through fellow friends who were moving away. Well, friends we use loosely. Very, very loose term. Um, and I was looking for a new group and they were exiting your group. So I just kind of infiltrated and entered my way in and said, hey guys, what's up? And then uh, I just never left. So <laughs> sorry, fam. <laughs> I believe you like sashayed your way in and sat at the table and we just didn't bring it up. Yeah. It and you're like, weird. who's this weirdo? And I'm just like, no, it's not good. As though she'd come to session, session previously, but like I didn't want to bring it up. Like she was there, but it's like <laughs> yeah. everybody else already seemed to know her. So I was like, school, school, school. But school. no, none of you knew who I was. Yeah. But you all we were all, one of you thought you knew who I was. We were all yeah. pretending. Yeah. Yeah. If I was to introduce you to somebody else, I wouldn't say your name because I didn't know it, I would let you introduce yourself. Hey, yeah. you. Uh, hey, yeah. that's my friend. No, that's how you, you put your hand on like their shoulder. You're just like, hey, this is Adam. And they just like, look at it like, introduce yourself. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. So uh, what's your what's your D&D history besides um, playing with, with us? Um, Mostly fifth edition, a little bit of fourth. Really? Yeah, just a small amount. Um, this is more information than I've ever gotten about Megan in one sitting. I know. Isn't it weird? Yeah. Does it feel weird to know things about me at this point? I, I Yeah. I assume that you were figuring out my imagination, honestly. I mean, the day you found out that I wasn't homeless, I feel like that was a big eye-opener for most people. That you weren't homeless? Why did you assume that she was homeless? <laughs> She's always very well put together. <laughs> that, 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 that was a literal thing that happened. I just forgot that Megan would have a home. Yeah. 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 I, ho- I hosted a session at one point for something, and uh, they were like trying to figure out where to go. And I'm like, guys... You, you could come to my house if you want to. And they're just like, why have we never thought of this? And I'm like, just because you probably thought I was homeless forever. And I yeah. just really loved living in that facade. So yeah. I'm okay <laughs> with it. Um, but no. So, yeah. A um, little bit of everything. Um, I also play a couple of other role-playing games like um, L5R. Um, so very, very structured Japanese-based game based on a card game. So um, they're a D10 so that, system. Legend of the Five Rings? Yeah. So Legend of the Five Rings. It's a D10 system. So it's very different. I would Ooh. love to get in on that. I've it's never really played cool. that before. Yeah. And um, I have heard so much about the lore behind it. And I'm like, yeah. it, it goes deep. It does. Yeah. Like, Rokugan is like huge. So, um, and I play luckily enough with a really good DM who um, has created his own world, like homebrewed a little bit of it, but uses the lore very strongly. And mm-hmm. every campaign he plays, um, the characters um, evolve and change throughout the time. So, like, we have games going on right now where other players are playing my old character's kids. Weird. Yeah. I love it. So it's what? really cool. And then my old characters make, um, like, present themselves in the campaign as well. And then one of my favorite characters from an old D&D campaign. Which That's was the dream, said, right? A long-running campaign oh, like that? Oh, heck yeah. So um, in one of my old games, I had a really good favorite character that I lost because I stopped playing that game just for other reasons. And he actually knew how much I loved that character. So he built it as a, a goddess in his world. Oh, so nice. that really? when I was playing, I could interact with my old character that I liked. So I love that. I, I love it. It's very similar to 5th edition where you can customize a little bit, but it doesn't have a lot of freedom for being evil characters. You know what I mean? You're, you're kind of honor bound. It's based I, on honor, hundred yeah. percent. Like I went in hard, like hardcore my first time, and I really just played this evil gameplay, and I killed one of the characters' husbands without telling anybody. And he's like, and on the side, he messaged me, and he's like, "By the way, this is really bad." <laughs> 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 I was like, 
Go on. <laughs> I fucked it up already. That's not what you do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. But that's how I, I learned the hard way, how serious it is about the honor and how you build your characters in that. So it's really cool. All right. Well, that's good to know because that probably would have been a similar thing in my first time playing that game as well. So Yeah. 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 yeah you're not supposed to be a murder hobo. It's like murder, light assault. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, okay. you don't really kill anybody in that game. It's mm. not a whole lot of killing going on. Right. I it's, don't... A, it's a lot of let them kill themselves. This Japanese, like, culture-based stuff, right? So it's very much honor. Like, oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Man, it's weird without being able to abuse Dan, like, constantly. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, I kept trying to abuse Dan when in episode 30 with Brad, mm-hmm. and he was just... I would look to Brad for help, and he he's just a nice person, and I don't understand. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, here we are. This is uh, episode 37 of the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Uh, and here we are. I'm DM Adam. With me to my left is... Terry. And across from me, guest starring is... Hey, Ian. And uh, we are talking about character death and what that means in 5th uh, edition Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I... I I had a lot of fun coming up with the name of this episode. I laughed out loud when I saw it. Actually, I always like Adam's name for the episodes. Put, but putting the fun in funeral is a personal favorite, yeah. I sure. actually have a t-shirt with that written on it because I worked in a, in a haunted house. Oh, so, really? That yeah, makes I love sense. that shirt. Yeah, so... Um, I that to a wedding. Uh, anyway, so I want to talk uh, a little bit about player death and undeath and uh, what it means to lose your character. And I'm not talking about retiring your character. I'm talking about... Uh, when your character loses all the hit points and is not coming back. What is that like? What do you do from a DM perspective? How do you handle that? And from a player perspective, what's that like? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, everyone I know has lost a character. Has ever, Megan, have you had a character oh, die? Oh, heckin' yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I haven't killed one of your characters yet. Can but... you just watch the language though? That's all that I know. Is that too aggressive? <laughs> Should I dial it down? <laughs> um, but, uh, and I know I've killed one of yours, Terry, and I've got another one in stasis. <laughs> well, I'm glad you remembered. It yeah. sounded like you had to rack your brain for, to remember for a second there. I know I've killed one of yours at some point. It's <laughs> still very fresh for do, me. Do you want to know something? I've never had my character die. I killed my own character that was relegated to an NPC in a game I was DMing. Oh. But I've never had a DM murder one of my characters. Well, congratulations. So now I okay, feel like thanks. this is, yeah. I feel oh, like this is good gonna be a challenge for one day so, for one so of us. I'm legitimately interested to see what it's like. <laughs> I want I want to hear from you guys. This is almost like those like weird people that like break into like morgues and stuff like that. And yeah. get, try and get too close to dead people. I feel like what, what this I is. I want to know what this is like. Yeah. Just touch like anything that'll turn anything necrotic for a hot second and be yeah. like, ooh, interesting. Yeah. Yep. Adam agrees. Okay. Good as long as you all know where we stand on that. That's fine. I mean, whatever. All right. So I have a a few questions that I want to roll through. Um, uh, but I'd like to roll dice first. Let's get initiative. We don't have Dan's clickety clackety box. So let's let's roll aggressively in this one. Too aggressive. Too aggressive. Too aggressive. A little bit of bounce on this one. For those of you at home, I scored a 17. Adam with the roll. Gentleman's 11. Megan? 15, middle of the road. All right. Sound like a bingo call. That's my lucky number, though. So, yeah. There you go. Well, this will be a good oh, really? podcast, then. Yeah. Is there any particular reason why that's your lucky number? No, it was like my sp- I was in basketball when I was a kid, and it was always my jersey number, so that's, that's right. I just stuck okay. with it. Okay, were you good at basketball? Yeah. Well, stand up. Well, there you go. Stand up. <laughs> if I said no, you'd be like, whoa, well, lucky number. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and I was hoping you would say no. Uh, all right, Terry. Yeah, Adam. <sighs> 
as a DM, mm. how do you handle death saves? When death saves pop up, yeah. what do you do? Um, how do you approach it for the character yeah. um, or for the player, right? Because it's scary for a player. It is. As much as you're like, oh, I have four hit points left and it's scary. It's not, she doesn't hit the fan. It's not real. Yeah. So you've hit zero hit points. That's when everybody goes quiet sense. and it's kind of like, you know, like a late night poker game where they know that they're, they're going all in and they're kind of, they start to stand up from the table. And, and everyone's counting the number of squares between them and you yeah. on the battle map. And they're There's like, who's got a potion? Do you have a potion? Through. I don't have a potion. How many spell slots do we have? Right. One guy's just losing his mind in the side. Yeah. But, but as a DM, yes. how do you handle that? Uh, this is where you controlling the atmosphere becomes more paramount than it's been before. Okay, so the players will reflect and mirror the atmosphere that you set. So if you start to get adversarial with it, they're going to, uh, they're going to resent that and they're going to really feel that and it'll be, it'll become you against them. If you set a tone of, yes, sadness, a little bit of stress, um, but a a very serious, um, sort of tone, they'll start to feel that stress as well, but in a good way. But what you definitely need to do is put across that you are still on their side. You can even wish them luck when they're rolling their death saves, but they need to feel like you are all on the same team and you're just telling the story. One extra point I want to put in is if you've gone down for death saves as a result of, a say, a multi-attack, and you know that there may be more attacks coming onto that character, I think you need to be very careful as a DM to almost justify why that is happening. To say, uh, whether it be a low intelligence creature that's very uh, primal and is just going to make sure that the threat is completely removed, or whether it's a high intelligence creature that recognizes that that person as being the biggest threat at the time, whether it's a creature that thinks as long as they're down, that's okay, now I should focus my attention on somebody else. Yeah. But how, whatever you're doing, I think you should use those exploration techniques and the roleplay techniques as a DM um, to almost justify why you would continue to keep hitting that character. Otherwise, you're going to risk that um, that us versus them. I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I And it's funny because I can find an argument both ways. A wolf that, that knocks you out will definitely go for the kill. Yeah. But at the same time, your high-powered lich that has knocked you out will definitely go for the kill. Yeah. I feel like it's the mid-range yes. level of boss or, or monster, your beholder that's concerned with everybody here and, and crowd control. Yeah. Or your um, even your your young dragon, mm-hmm. right, is going to say neutralize that one onto the next, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe not strategize, but I feel like the really, really low, low intelligence and the really high intelligence are going to go for that kill shot. Yeah, absolutely. Do you pull a punch when you have multi attack on a monster then? Because uh, if I have, if I have, say, a Merilith, so I have seven attacks right. in a turn and I knock you down on, a, on attack number two. Mm-hmm. Well, you're dead before you ever get a death save. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, that's correct, but I also think. The, the threat that that, uh, that creature has should be made very apparent from the beginning. You should be describing heavily that there's multiple arms and they all seem capable of attacks. They're all holding swords. In fairness to the players, because you have to be their eyes. Yep. But also, you owe it to them, I think, not to cheat them of that experience to keep, if you want to keep them immersed in the game. They, players are not dumb. Well, they are. Yeah. They I, are. They're dumb. We're, we're pretty dumb. We're, we're pretty dumb. <laughs> I, see, I like what Megan did there. Megan did exactly what I was just describing, which is made sure that she was on the same team as everybody else. We are dumb. Uh, we are. But you owe it to the players. They will, they will spot if you're leaving them, if you're giving them an out. And we've talked before about how I like to play in my games. If I know I've fucked up and I've gone down, I expect the full consequences of that. 
Yeah, well, you're a glutton for punishment. You've asked me repeatedly, hurt me, hurt me, make it hurt in the game. I want to feel, I want to feel all of the negativity. And I, then a couple of times, I've hit, hurt you so badly that you get angry at me. <laughs> I, but it's my own fault, and I know it is. I know it is. Uh, but yeah, because I'm just fucked up in that I like to dance that line, you know, I'm playing too close to the traffic too often. Yeah. I like to feel that thrill. Megan, how do you, when, when it comes down to death saves, as a player, what's that like? That dropping to zero hit points. I'd say I've had a lot of different experiences with different types of, like, players. Uh, But I find that if you start the game with the pretense that death is an option. um, So, like, in games where obviously resurrection spells and healing spells and stuff are nerfed a little bit. Like, just to kind of keep that sense of, like, urgency and fear, like, alive. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's a little bit easier to go into it. Um, I honestly usually accept as best I can. If I've done something dumb or if my character was done, I'm like, oh, cool, let's do this. Yep. I'm like, all right, rolls, here we go. And like, dice don't fail me now. You know what I mean? Like, I'll go into it with that kind of attitude. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because in my mind, if my character dies, it adds to the story, yep. right? It becomes like, honestly, like every character death I've ever had in a D&D game or any kind of role-playing game has added an element to the story. It changes characters. Like, even in my L5R game where I killed my player's husband without her knowing, it changed that person's character yeah. completely, changed her goals, changed her life, and it actually helped her grow her character. Yeah. So no matter what happens, like when it comes to character death, it's going to do something. Okay, right? wh- what about for the least experienced person at the table, the the lesser um, role player, I'll, I'll call it, mm-hmm. the person who shows up because they mechanically want to play the tactics, there's nothing wrong with treating it like a war game, yeah. right? But they're not in there for the character development. They're in there because they want to get to level seven. Because at level seven, they get this awesome ability. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to swing a freaking chain flail in circles around their head and hit nine guys in a turn. Yeah. Right? And you murder them at level six. Yeah. And they're just like, what's that like? You guys, Have you been that character like in your early days? I've met that character. Yeah. Um, I feel like we need to be honest with them from the beginning. The death is definitely possible. And and as long as you're fair with them about what may happen within the session, you present those threats adequately, I feel like that's still acceptable. Mm-hmm. And if it's like one of those situations where it's like if you're fair with them from the start and you get their commitment to you that they understand the threat, yeah. if they get themselves in a situation where they die, I would say most of the time, ultimately, it does come down to the players that put themselves in that situation, whether it's just a bad strategy or something that didn't work out. They can't be frustrated as you, at you as the DM as long as you've been honest with them along the way. Also, I like the idea of making death saves engaging. Um, so as a DM, you kind of have that opportunity to really make that death save mean something to them. So almost like having those flashes of your memory of your life. So you get a death save. You're like, oh, well, you, you see like someone of a loved one stretch a hand out to you and pull you slowly out of like the grasp. Like, or like if you fail a death save, it's like, oh, you can feel yourself really like your chest is getting heavier and you're feeling yourself take your last breath. Mm-hmm. Like make each death save do something to keep them engaged in the fact that they're just sitting there rolling death saves. Cause you're in combat. You're sitting there watching everybody have a good time. I have an idea about death saves and I want to know your thoughts on it. Well, both of you actually. Mm-hmm. I like the idea. Uh, the death save result being hidden from the rest of the players because it's shared between the player who's doing the death save and the DM. Maybe everyone just closes their eyes and looks up or something because all they see is an unconscious person on the battlefield and there's craziness happening around. They don't know whether or not that person has died or not. I like that. I like that to a point. And I hear where where Megan's coming about making it like personal to the player. 
Spacey, I do it the exact. I I have come from a third perspective on that, where I will turn to. Uh, so Terry's character goes down unconscious because he always does in every combat. Yep, and, hands down. <laughs> yeah, don't play. Can, can that's just that's what you get for playing in traffic. <laughs> and and on Terry's turn, I say, okay, uh, it's time for you to roll. And then he rolls, and he goes, oh, that's a success. And I say, okay, Megan. Terry's character is sputtering. You can see that the mm-hmm. wound in his side is is um, is blood, and there's air like making bubbles in it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking to the other players around the table about that? how this guy is dying. And Terry only gets to roll dice, and he feels helpless. Mm-hmm. I'm ramping up the the freaking helplessness and the dread and the horror, so that when you do stabilize for whatever reason. There's that sense of catharsis. Of, oh my god. Okay. Okay. Hard. Right, yes. All right. I'm I'm still alive. Everything's good. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I I feel like that's I'm banking on the success as a DM. Yeah. By yeah. painting the horror of it, saying yes, you come out the other side of it. Right. It but also it, helps kind of paint the picture of how you end up healing them. So if your cleric or your paladin or whatever finally gets over there and like starts healing and patching this person up you can almost like add it to the cinematic of how they're doing that like you press your hand onto the wound where it is or you bandage them up or you wrap them up or what too many too many people are just like lay on hands and next yeah like the like the combat numbers go yeah Yeah. and that's that's when when uh for whatever reason your game's going to a very tactically based game and we're, we're losing the exploration and the role play uh pillars uh, but I like what you're saying there, Adam. Actually, made me rethink. I, I did like my idea, but I also see what your idea is going to do to. I like combat. I like all three. I like the co- almost like comboing most of them. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, okay. So let's say third death sale has or third death save has now failed. Mm-hmm. You are still in combat. Everyone is still fighting. What are you doing, Terry? How how are you handling? One of your players is sitting out, sitting there looking at the character sheet, going, "Shit! Now fuck! Now what?" Yeah. What do, you, what do you do as a DM? How do you keep them involved? Uh, how, the player who's now dead. How yeah. do I keep them involved? Because they're still at your table. They're still coming back. Mm-hmm. They're, they are still a weekly presence at your table. Their yeah. character's dead, but that doesn't mean even if it's like the first twenty minutes. Oh, so how do I keep them involved in the long running of the game? Not in that session. No, no, no. In, in, in that session, in the moment, how do you keep them involved and and not like upset? Because I have straight up killed characters in yeah. the first half of an eight hour session. And they sit there and go, shit, now what? Yeah. Hey, if anybody's heard the first episode of Call of Cthulhu at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and that, that was hilarious how that all of a sudden. I think in the short term, what you have to just, and to go back to atmospheres, you have to be very careful about the atmosphere that you set and you have to be able to switch very quickly. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if it was your character, Adam, I would be very solemn in how I speak to you initially. And I would describe it, as Megan said, and say, you know, after um, spluttering and bleeding coming from your lungs, you feel that final breath come in and then it fades to black as you breathe out. And then I would switch back to the rest of the group uh, if it becomes the orcs turn or whatever. And I'd say if the order of orcs immediately starts to charge towards you, axes are swinging, they attack, boom, whoever. Yeah. So you switch that. Um, it's it's like it's like public speaking. You switch your 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 tone, you switch your voice, your um, how you're presenting the information based on exactly who you're speaking to at what time. And I think that's going to have much more of an effect on the on the the cinematic um, end of it. Yeah. Okay. I've also seen um, and been a part of a game where sometimes when a character goes down in the middle of a combat and it's like the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. they'll pick up an NPC. Yeah. After battle, obviously, but during battle, even pick up like one of like one of the hordes. Like the DM would be like, "All right, so hey, 
control this horde of like goblins for me yeah and then head in there and do your thing right? i love that and i've done that with players before where for whatever reason their characters weren't involved in a specific thing if they're splitting the party and i've given them npcs um shared their stats with them uh and let them do that and it worked very well it's also it's refreshing and it keeps the players engaged because they have something new to concentrate on some abilities they maybe didn't have before they have to think with new tactics new strategies but i love that idea of also letting the the um the player whose characters died maybe control some of the lesser lesser uh, enemies as well yeah that's great yeah the big thing that i do is um I will end that combat as quickly as fucking possible. Yeah. I always give you guys monsters. It, fifth Ed gears towards the players. It's very player friendly. Mm-hmm. You are superheroes by level four, right? So um, peasants cannot hold a candle to a level four fighter. Right. Right. So you guys are superheroes. And as a result, the fact that you get death saves and, and NPCs don't is a big factor here. So what I will do is I will duck out of this combat. Every, I keep giving monsters with max hit points. So, you know, if it says, oh, there's 58, but it's really 12d10 plus 30 or whatever, I will always do the 12d10 plus 30. Yeah. I always hit you guys with maximum hit points. If someone goes down, then I suddenly go back to the average or even the lowest possible thing. So that, let's say, two more attacks will either force this creature to retreat or we'll kill it or whatever, because I want the players to now get involved with the, with the character that's down. Right. Um, I want to take that off of my plate as a DM and not be an adversary, right? So that when Terry's character is dead, okay, Megan, combat is done. The, the, the death tyrant has left. Okay. Or, or was killed. Oh. You know, I let it slide when he was like, Terry's character is dead. I thought, interesting that he immediately went to me. <laughs> as though he assumed that it you was my character. You have spent more time unconscious And than then when you other... named the actual creature that killed my character, then I knew it was a personal attack. Okay? <laughs> and the character that also had to carry his body out of there. But yeah. that's fine. <laughs> but, but that kept everybody more engaged about what's happening next with this with this character with this because it's not over yet because the thing that i do is i introduce funerals Mm -hmm. and i'm big on the idea that when you go to loot the body of the person because they've got health potions that you will need right maybe you're not taking their ancestral sword you're going to bury that with them or whatever but (laughs) there's no player on this earth that's not going to take that ancestral sword (laughs) but no sure we'll bury it you should get a will and testament yeah. And that you just find that on the inside pocket of whatever their, their jacket, right? You find it immediately. And that is when the player gets to bequeath all of the stuff to the rest of the, um, to the rest of the characters around the table. And it's kind of like your last hurrah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it lets you kind of give a shout out to the relationships that were built. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the funeral aspect? Is there an instance where you wouldn't do it? Do you like it? What, what do you think? Uh, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I mean, I would say at the end of the day, it comes down to longevity of the game. I feel like if it's like a one shot or like a three oh, shot, yeah, or, like, no. I would say, all right, let's bury this guy <laughs> and move Sorry, on. Sorry, champ. Good job. Yeah, thanks for thanks coming Thanks for coming. Out. No one yeah. brought a shovel, but this gutter on the side of the road looks yeah, just thanks. Perfect. Whatever your name is, yeah. I forget. Yeah, but if you've been playing with that character, like you do make relationships with those characters. So if someone dies, like I've been in funerals in games where people start to cry. Oh, I almost did when my character died. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> you felt it coming. When two, epi- uh, two sessions before Dan joined our campaign way back when. Yeah. I killed Jamie's character. Oh, no. 
um, and brutally murdered him with an iron golem at the bottom of a pool Sounds where nobody yeah, else that. was around right like the that rest was, of the that world. was stressful actually that was very stressful now and, and everybody pressed that memory everybody else was trapped in a cave-in do you remember that mm-hmm. and you guys couldn't get to him as he was he could not move fast enough yeah um in the water and this thing just walked across the bottom grabbed him and killed him yeah and then we had a funeral and then the big bad evil guy showed up at the funeral and murdered someone else and like it was it just the whole thing spiraled out of control oh wow but that funeral where people got to say a few words mm-hmm. and yeah. shit was was big like that was a massive moment and then i flipped the whole thing on his head and murdered another yeah. beloved npc all right let's but. stop crying everybody fight yeah <laughs> oh i get sucked into it i'm such a sucker though i'm a little bit of a weeper to be honest with you guys oh. i try and hide it but yeah we can see it it's fine <laughs> just between the, the three of us nobody else is gonna know so <laughs> so terry you had to actually yeah. write a will and testament what mm-hmm. was that like um i really enjoyed it because it made me go back and remember all of the good and the bad times in the game and and so it made me realize as terry how much i enjoyed the game but also how much that we'd all invested with our characters within that game as well and also I also like to put pain on other people. So I was trying as hard as I could to do that. As hard as I could to do that. I'm going to give you my beloved pet dog. Yeah. To- In hindsight, I should have typed out those letters so that people could read them easier because the mood was killed and people were like, I don't know what this trying word is. Trying to read says. your writing? Yeah. The like- <laughs> There's like, is this tear marks on the paper? <laughs> Just smudges across. Like, what the? <laughs> uh, but it was really good. It was actually good. And I liked uh, I liked the idea of gifting my items to, uh, to various characters based on my relationships with them or what I felt their uses were, giving them some last words of advice as well, uh, maybe telling them some things that the character in life would not have told them. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was great. And I felt that it, uh, it... I like to think that it brought the rest of the party closer. It did. It did. The rest of the party definitely... And then because you tried to introduce a new character... Yeah. Like the next session, they were like, no, fuck off. We, we want nothing no, to do I with you. Fucking love we are just well. mourning this guy. So. I love that character as well. I was so excited for that character to come in. Everybody was like, no, we don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> you, were the, you were the new Lockie to the team. When yeah. Down well, everybody, what I should have realized was going to happen was that everybody was going to go through a really dark time where they were questioning their own character sort of beliefs and morals and, and, and how they see the world. And they kind of went through this sort of dark period. And I brought in this like ASMR cleric that was just like holier than thou. (laughs) You can't do this. And, and, you know, trying to find people's light. And they were like, this is not a time to find our light. We're not interested. We're going to go fucking kill these people. Please die in a fire. (laughs) Please die in a fire. (laughs) What's interesting is that as a DM, I had no input in any of this. You guys all decided as players to go down the dark road. And I think that was the tone that was set earlier in the campaign. Yeah. And, And you came with your like... I have this fresh new face and everyone else is like, we're not in the fucking mood. Yeah. Right? And the, well, the idea behind it was to keep them in the light. You know, it was, I was like, well, I'll have this character that can keep them in the light, but their darkness was stronger than my light. And in a lot of ways, I respect that. I like that. It was, it was a good struggle, but it was interesting. It's not the first time and it has not been the last time since I as a DM did not create the inter-party conflict where you guys were not out to just steal each other's shit or... Um, you know, I'm going to screw you out of 50% of the gold that we found, or which yeah. is a lot of the uh, party politics, yeah. right? You guys have the social agreement that we're all going to work together. We're all friends and no one's going to go without at the table. But at the same time, now is not the fucking time. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, I also had the, I had the thought that, that Megan's paladin character would kind of side with me 
in that, not realizing that I guess her character had got darker than I thought oh, heck yeah. already. Oh. Right? So I was kind of like, I was kind of like, well, the paladin will side with me on this, and together we'll bring people into light. And and I think your character is probably the worst one, depending on how you you, you worst for being like, this is not the fucking time. No, yeah. we're not into that. Yeah, you're... and I felt like I was almost leaning across the table, going, what the what the fuck are you doing? I'm pretty sure at one point you what did actually you yell at me at one That's, point. You're supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 what's next for the player then? After you've you've done your funeral, you've created your new character. I guess that's the that's the issue. Is you have to get reintroduced into the campaign. Oh. Well, you almost get like a session zero B you can have with your with your DM, and as as long as you do it well, and as the DM, you reinforce the idea that you're not adversarial and that you're with them and you're their you know their their ally and all of this. Work with them to create a new character, how they're going to bring them into the campaign. You'll find that, yeah, they'll be sad and they'll mourn forever, really, that other character, but they'll, they'll quickly start to move on to the, the excitement of this new character as long as you're, as long as you're quick to begin that process. I don't think you should leave them hanging too long, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people get sad. <laughs> so, funny story, Megan, you may not know this one, but we had a character who the session before Jamie's character died, she fell down, um, it was like 590 foot tower. Oh, I yeah. thought you were about to say 590 stairs. No. <laughs> into uh, spinning blades. Into, sp- yeah. in, into spinning blades. They found, what was it, a, a liver and a boot? A liver and a boot, yeah. Holy yeah. mother. However, they'd all left like their essence behind in another temple across the map, and nobody realized that they'd done this. And so I had this like resurrection um, planned. So if somebody dies in this really hard part, they're going to pop up over here. Yeah. And so the player... The moment the character died, I asked everyone else to leave the room. And I turned to the player and I said, weirdly, you wake up. You open your eyes with this sudden pain of all these blades you know, moving through your body. But you are alive and you are whole and you are awake. And you are in this room that you remember being in four months ago. And you're on the other side of the map and nobody knows that you're there. And you have no way to contact them, right? What do you do? We will pick up on this in midweek content um, through Facebook. But I'm going to ask you to please keep this quiet so everybody else has to just go not knowing. Mm-hmm. And so then they went without knowing. And then the next session where Jamie's character died, that player was away. So they still didn't know that she was alive. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so they went from a four-person party to a two-person party in two sessions. Wow. And then when she came back, it was this huge, like, celebrate. There were hugs at the table. Like, Jess stood up and was, and like, squealed. Oh, right, I can hear the squeal in my mind yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it was it was. And it- Jess, I just want to say before you go any further, did not have the most tact about that character dying. As I recall, when we had to tell the child goblin, the adopted <laughs> goblin who we'd raised, taught him to speak. He didn't even speak goblin because he'd never been around goblins. We taught him to speak. Had such an attachment to this character. Her way of telling this child that she died was to go, uh, yeah, so she's dead. Here's her boot, and like help that was. That three yeah. seconds. Yeah, uh, he, he's not even paraphrasing it. That is that is verbatim. That is word. Right, was for that word. within character range though? Yeah, like, yeah. She was playing Aranith, okay. her yeah. ranger, and she went, "She's dead. Here's her boot, like that, and held but, it up, which is still like covered in flesh and all that." Oh, sort of phenomenal! Stuff. So, so both like hilarious and horrific at the same time. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, there's there's still things for a player to do. I guess is the point is. When you get reintroduced back into the party, it can be emotional. My one, my favorite story that I ever saw online was the guy who uh, who looked at his character sheet and went, huh, well, shit, and wrote Junior beside the name and then popped in and said, I'm here to avenge my father. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh. But, like, how do you like, – there's so many different ways to, to come back in. Do you find it jarring to introduce a new – it's almost like having a new person at the table. 
right? I think I think I kind of agree with Terry on, on the string of the fact that it's good to have like a session zero be with that character. Yeah. So not only discussing what works best to integrate yourself slowly into the group, but maybe even have like a small one on one. Just to be like, what happened in your background a little bit? So that yeah. you're already kind of in the mindset of your character going into it. Um, and you're kind of like there. Because there's always that awkward moment of just like, hey, yeah, we know that you as a person are supposed to come with us. But we're yeah. trying to figure out how to make this work. Uh, like, it's always good to kind of have that thought process of like, you, like between the DM and that character that's coming back, have that moment of like, this is what's going to lead up to it. And, like, let's roleplay this out a little bit before we get there. And yeah. I, I would say even more so than in, in the first session that you play, like, session one, where everybody's coming together in the tavern, right? And they're like, oh, hey, we have a quest given to us. Save the blacksmith's daughter, right? Like, whatever that is. Oh, that's genius. Is. Write that down. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> I've never heard of that one. <laughs> but, but even more so, it's up to the DM to help grease those wheels. Yeah. Right? It, it's... I find it's up to the players to introduce themselves the first time, but when you have a party, a pre-established party, and you're introducing one person in, it's up to the DM to really facilitate that. Tie yeah. it all together. Yeah. I think I think get them thrown in some action as quickly as possible as well, um, because that forces them to suddenly work together. For it breaks that ice real fast when yeah. they just have to. There's no awkward. So the enemy of, of that enemy is my friend. Exactly. And, yeah. Or or even you know it doesn't necessarily need to be combat. But some sort of role play encounter, whether like all of the Duke's men surround you on their horses, whatever, where you're still forced to work together no matter what. Did you have to say Duke? Did, oh, God, I didn't even oh. think about that. Sorry. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Terry's dead character's name was Duke. <laughs> wow. Did you say like deceased or like passed on or something like that? We'd have to just be like, oh, Terry's dead character. So I was going to wear my t-shirt that Lily just has the word dead across it. I like it. I feel it. like I missed out on that opportunity today. But that's fine. Next time. Next time. Um, do we have any final thoughts about the player's experience and, and what it's like to die and go through death saves? My last thought is, Adam, something you said to me once a long time ago. Uh, Take was, off that fucking shirt. What are you wearing? Is that is that the quote? <laughs> oh, I thought it, you were. I thought this took a weird turn. And I was like... <laughs> All right. I was like, because I just because before we started recording, I was complaining about my sweater. I, yeah. I thought that was the reason. That's why I stared at you, like, what the fuck? But then I'll just be sat here with no shirt on, and it would be very weird for Megan. Probably not weird for you, but weird it's for just me. recording again. <laughs> what the fuck was my thought? Oh, you said to me, you said to me that a character death is not the end. That's not the end of it. No. And I, that always kind of sparked my inspiration from then. Instead of being like, okay, well, you're dead. See you, bye. Uh, which is what I think some newer players and DMs will think it inspired what happens next with the storyline. And Megan talked about how characters are brought back as NPCs and still involved. And you brought my character back as a ghost. And that was fun getting to play my dead character again, getting to do yeah. a voice, I had to warm my voice up again, remember it. But yeah, it was good. It's not the end. So that's my final thought. Yeah. The, death is not the end in D&D. &D, yeah. Right. And it, I, as much as I want it to be, I want the stakes to be high and to be real. It's not the end. It's not when we live in a world full of uh, revenants and ghosts and ghouls, and you know, it's it it's not. There's yeah. more to it. Yeah, I've even played in a couple of games that do like one shot after character death to go through what happens in the afterlife to that character, oh, and everybody rolls it. up random one shot characters to be involved in that process, so they get one last chance to play that character and do something good, but the oh other people God. just get to play like around so, okay, and right. then kill them early, and then on. kill them again. Right. Kill them early on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So, so let's say that Terra's character dies. All right. So, obviously, yeah. All right. And so, so then, I, and so then we run a one shot 
but the one shot is the people that he meets on the road to the afterlife. Yeah. So, like, I'll talk to you, Megan, about can you roll up um, the boatman across the river Styx? Yeah. And we'll get Dan to be the guy who uh, is like welcoming souls into this particular level yeah, of the like doing the judging yeah. or yeah, something. Like, so, the, I'm, okay, so this is why you're here. Yeah. And let's be honest, you're here oh, for a it's reason. Not big, it wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the worst I've seen, but there's right. a couple of things we got to talk about. And, and then you've got the the tormentor who's going to like, oh, I'm going to flay you for all of existence every day. Yeah. But, uh, but could you just, can you grab that over there and do me a favor first? Right. Like you can, you can introduce all of this and have the other players at the table be be the yeah. bad guys yeah. or or do the heaven route and be like and your long lost grandmother comes up to you and says you spent a lot of time masturbating wow <laughs> oh wow right oh, wow. Megan went so Canadian then she was like oh wow <laughs> oh wow <laughs> I feel like I'm very, very Canadian. Right? It's unfortunate. Right, right. But no, it's like, <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, bud. <laughs> oh, yeah, bud. Like, it just... Just out for our RAP, are you, bud? <laughs> that was a little Irish. I don't know. <laughs> that, was new, that was like Newfoundland. Yeah. Newfoundland. Um, no, I've done something similar, like, um, in our Japanese-based games where a character died and we actually ended up in hell. And the DM made a really good, like, escape room. Mm-hmm. Where we all rolled up new characters and we we're all in separate jail cells. And we had to figure out how to get out. But Love the it. one character played his character. And if he got out, he was resurrected. If he didn't get out, his character died. Did he get that out? That was his last chance. Um, he did get out. I can't handle But he also released about all six of us. Uh, was released more demons. Because we were demons that were down there. And they released them Also now the they're... Okay, so literally, he made it out. Literally do an escape room. And yeah. tell everybody that if they make it out, the character gets Oh, delivered. yeah. Physically do it. Like yeah. In yeah. RL, shall we say. Yes. Yeah. Can't handle that stress. And then just you have to maintain character the whole time. I love it. Can we have, and this is a one shot of yours, Adam. Can we have a, the devil be a bard like Rowan Atkinson's devil in that skit he does where yeah. he welcomes everybody to hell? Yeah. <laughs> Toby? Yeah. I would love that. I would, and I would play that character. Yeah, you would. I would love that. Um, Daffy'd write that down. All right. So uh, let's cut to commercial before we move on to the next bit. Hello and well met. It's Daniel. The Keeper of Arcane Secrets. (coughs) Sorry about that. Anyways, I'm here letting you all know that you could find and listen to the Call of Cthulhu actual play Halloween miniseries right now on the It's a Mimic feed. I have been anxiously awaiting the opportunity to share it with you all. So check your podcatcher, YouTube, or www.itsamimic.com to check it out. Thanks, and on with the show. Man, I gotta get this cough checked out. So my favorite thing about this is that Dan is going to have to listen to all of this for the first time. Yeah. So we can actually say horrible things about this. And he, I'm the one that gets to edit this because yeah. he's doing all the Call of Cthulhu, the Deep Dark Radiant yeah. stuff right now. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I get to do this. He gets to listen to it after it's been edited and it's been posted. So that's phenomenal. Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> you, Hold on. Probably a stupid question. Are you, damn it, Megan. God damn it. <laughs> damn it, Megan. <laughs> Never again. One and done. You're welcome. One and done. Totally oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you build furniture? No. no. If you have if you have one skill that you do better than Dan, you can take his salary for this podcast and you can come back. And he's out. Is that building furniture? Because I can't build furniture. <laughs> well, I'm starting to think neither can he, judging by the amount of furniture. I can make a built. sweet furniture. He's had a couple of requests and orders though. Yeah. And like, I think there's bank to be made if he sees it through. I'm a little upset by the specificity of it as well, which yeah. is anyway. Anyway, let's move on to uh resurrection and stabilization 
And I want to talk specifically about the magics involved here, right? Okay. Because, um, like, like we were saying, this isn't just a standard, um, a standard death. There is, is stuff to do beyond. Half of the freaking monsters are, I think it's, uh, the third most prolific monster type in the, uh, monster manual is undead. Yeah, right there, Terry. Jesus. <laughs> I'm like watching, so, I'm just, I'm trying to give you a say, like, it's not going to work. <laughs> just let me figure it out. Anyways, uh, I've got a couple of questions again. Shall we roll initiative sure. one more time? Oh, what is that? Pop that back in there. 14. <laughs> Am I cocked? I feel like I'm cocked. Oh. Uh, no, you're good. You're 12. Right, 12. You did it a 12. 12. I, uh, Megan, you got a 3. I did. And I got a 14. Okay, so before we get into it, Terry. Yes. Legitimately speaking, yeah. what the fuck are death saves? Uh, death saves to me is a, re- um, I have it written down here in my notes, uh, as a reflection of trauma and dancing the line of unconscious and death. So you're you're clinging to life and it's about whether or not you pull through. It's not always obvious whether you're, or not you're going to because it may be based on internal bleeding, um, you know, catastrophic bleeds, uh, but you're dancing that line. Megan, do you have an answer? I it's honestly it's very similar. It's kind of like along the lines of <coughs> sorry, <laughs> it's actually happening. Wow. <laughs> that was like that a big bad. And you kind of went roughly towards me. It was forty five degrees off. It was you a cone attack. Hit by a hairball. It was a cone attack for sure. <laughs> it's a cone attack. Just on the cusp. Yeah, right it was just on the edge. Um, I no, I feel like it is that process of your character like trying to relive it and getting those flashes of life of like. Can I do this? Can I make it? Can I do it? And it's like trying to hold on. It's like that walking towards the light moment. Yeah, for distant voices. Yeah, yeah, it's like whatever form of like afterlife you believe. It's that moment of where you're dancing that line and whether you're going to cross it or not. So, so. I know that death saves uh, are not tied to any of the actual stats. But yeah. would you say that if they were, this is about your constitution and your ability to physically hold on? Or about your wisdom or your charisma maybe and your will to hold on? Which one would you say it's more like? I would say constitution because this is mostly, I think this is a, a bodily effect because I don't think the dice should decide your character's will to hold on. That is something that you will know whether or not your character wants to give up or whether or not they want to come back. I don't know. I feel like it's the other way around. I'm sorry? <laughs> Megan, we Did told we, you before before we, we hit record. You're not allowed to disagree I'm with Terry. Sorry. Um, no. People out there think I understand what I'm talking about. Okay? And if you do that, that suggests to them that I might not. And I feel like in that last moment of your your time, like I always think in those minds, like when people get that superhuman strength and that burst of adrenaline, and that comes from the will to live. It doesn't come from the fact that you're physically hurt. Like so, when you're in that like moment of like I've been hurt, I might be dying. You almost stop feeling the pain. It you're, you're, you're talking mental. about that that like the mother that lifts the school bus off of her child to get her child out, right? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Like it's it's your will is what gives you the strength to push past the pain that you're feeling. So you actually almost come out of an out of body experience. So I feel like it's more the the will to live is what they represent. Don't get me wrong. I agree with what you're saying that the dice should not depict whether your character has a will to live or not. But I feel like the will is there, and mm-hmm. the dice kind of determine. Not necessarily the will, but they're determining the fact that no matter how strong your will is, this is your time. So you're thinking more linked to charisma or, or wisdom? I would say more wisdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Like Interesting. The- wisdom used to be tied to the saving throw called will saves yeah. in right. previous editions, right? But wisdom these days seems to be more about your surroundings and charisma seems to be more about like the personal... 
like um, your personage. Yeah, yeah. Your, your personality more than anything else, and yeah. um, and how you handle it. So I don't know. I can honestly see it go either way. Uh, what's interesting though, is that it says directly in the rules, Dan and I discovered this in the special that we did about spells. Um, it says right in the rules for death saves that if there is something that grants you advantage on saves, like an aura or whatnot, it still applies to death saves. Oh, oh I didn't sorry. know that. What? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, so, we have a session to replay then. A Adam? whole session because I was a paladin. <laughs> yeah, everybody say exactly the same thing that they said at that time. So so you you don't get your modifiers because there is no stat that's that's tied to it, yeah. right? But it is it comes down to the idea that if you are granted say with bless, mm-hmm. the spell bless, the ability to add 1d4 to a save. Yeah. You get to add that 1d4. You are blessed. Yeah. Because it's the concentration of the character giving it to you, not your own concentration. Yeah, it's the idea that the divine is coming in and 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 aiding you in your process. I- exactly. Oh, so, man. so my mind happens? is blown today. So I'm just going to write <laughs> cast bane on dying PC. <laughs> <laughs> so on Lockie, Dan's character. <laughs> um, so. I'm looking for, I know that you guys have gone through some of the spells. There was a huge freaking list of them. Was there anything in there that really jumped out to you that could turn into like a plot hook Mm -hmm. about healing or stabilization? I don't want to get to resurrections yet, Mm -hmm. but specifically that kind of of plot hook. Um, I feel like gentle repose always gives you the ability because you essentially, uh, Dan was right in what he was saying. It sort of resets the clock. Yeah. And now that gives you a little... Oh, we will never say Dan is right if he's in the room with us. Yes, that's so, that's oh. actually the rule. That's a rule? That is yeah. the rule. We don't have the written rules here, but it is one of the rules. Yeah. True, yes. Um, because it gives you a little side quest in a way. It gives you that. It gives you extra stress, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to bring you together as a team. It's going to get you. It's going to stop you from panicking, stop you from feeling, and get you thinking, uh, hopefully, or you might just freak out completely. Yeah. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to make the situation almost like a side quest for you where you now have... Something fun to do, really, because you're playing the game, uh, but it, it stops it from being so immediate. So Give what, you some agency. So what about the player, then, whose character has now been gentle reposed, mm-hmm. right? And you're sitting there going, okay, well, we have seven days or whatever it is to get this guy to some resurrection. Yeah. Um, what does that player do? Yeah. For those seven days. Do you bring in an NPC? Do they get to roll a new character? I think she gets to roll a new character. And after that seven days or whenever, I think she get the choice on which direction they want to go. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That would be interesting. Megan, do you have any? Um, yeah. I mean, I have like two that I really enjoy. One that I use on a regular basis, which I kind of had a thought of how I would use it in my future. Like if I was to be a DM or something like that. The Spare the Dying. Very simple. It's cantrip. Mm-hmm. It's very right. simple. Everybody uses it. Yeah, it's the bane of my fucking existence. Exactly, right? And to most DMs, it is the bane of everybody's existence because sometimes it's worth it to have characters go through that stress mm-hmm. just to feel like the realness of what battle it can do. So I thought of actually applying MMO rules to this. Um, MMA rules? MMO. Oh, MMA. okay. It's a little yes, different. absolutely. I was just... going to say you can't. <laughs> You're not allowed to kick a down character. Yeah, but that's absolutely. fine. <laughs> no, but like, um, so Spare the Dying essentially just pulls them out of whatever they are. They're now conscious, right? So my thought here is an MMO rules, if you go down and you die and you are brought back somehow, some way, healed back up to health, you have disadvantage on most things. There are mechanics in a lot of the resurrection things yeah. that give you... 
think is a negative four to every one of your modifiers exactly, and shit right? for 24 hours. So and- I feel like spare the dying because it's like everybody handing it out like hotcakes. I feel like it should have a consequence. As simple as it is, it should be something as simple as like you get a point of exhaustion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just something as simple as that. Like you just. I think that you just, makes perfect sense. You just like died. Right. Well, yeah. Like, well, the, I, in my games, I say you get a permanent scar. Yeah. Right. That only greater restoration can, can, can heal, heal, which so. is a nice like after effect. But in during the battle, like I feel like it should I think you should have a point of exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that I thought of when I was listening to because I used to spare the dying like nobody's business all the time when people go down. When Dan's game. character really? goes unconscious. Yeah. Do you use it all the time, Megan? That would have been great <laughs> um, had you used it. You were obliterated. There was nothing for me to spare the dying you, you could not wave your magic hand through the mist. <laughs> the, <laughs> just try. Just the pink mist. Just Bam. so good. He's gone. Um, but that's one that I thought was very simple that could use a little bit of a jazzing up that, again, because they use it so much, it just seems like it should have a consequence in battle. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. And if you go down a second time and get brought back, you get two levels of exhaustion. Exactly. Like, and it gets worse and worse and be like, hey, man, like, you should probably not die in battle. On the sixth time, you just don't come back. Right? Yeah. You're dead. So, that, yeah. That's your hint in an MMO that maybe you should get better gear. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but the other one I was kind of thinking about was the life transference, which isn't one that I have used often because I don't really play wizards but I've played a cleric before but it wasn't one that I took mostly because my health pool wasn't very good Mm -hmm. and so for those who don't know life transference is essentially you can do 4d8 of health and sacrifice your own health and give it to somebody else so Terry would never do that. This actually makes sense as to why when you said that spell, I went, I don't know this spell. And you're like, no, I don't know why. this spell. Yeah. My brain just blocked it out when I was reading the player's handbook. <laughs> but I thought it was very neat in the sense that it really does play to the fact that you have to role play this out as a character. Because would you as a cleric or it's also for wizards who have a very low health pool, would you really give that up for that person so no. that they can survive over you? God damn so it, it does. You would not. But like, How does that work? Because I only heal myself. So that's the main reason I played a cleric. I was like, I heal myself. This is for me and me alone. <laughs> can I take my own hit points and feed them back to me? Yeah. Um, I was actually going to ask you if that's it because how the way it works is actually it's 4d8 and then you double it for that person. Yeah, so, so you lose 4d8 and yeah. whatever you rolled goes times two for the other person to gain so it. So if you casted it on yourself... I'm, no, no. No? It, no. You're just going to know this? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say... Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you immediately get a feedback loop and pass out. <laughs> oh, good. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your god appears before you and says, fuck, 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 no. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you know how this works. Yeah. But I enjoy it from like a role playing standpoint because it really does help develop that character ter- character connection between two people. Yeah. Because if it's worth saving that person to that character, it can come up in conversation later on, like mm-hmm. post battle. Yeah. Right. Like I sacrificed for you. Like even if you say it or not and that character notices it or doesn't notice it, it could become something. Um, whether it's like a piece of. Asking you, for a favor later on. Asking for a favor later on or just being or brooding about it. Being like. Dude, I just gave you life and you're not even. Yeah. Where's my thank you? Where's my, like, not even a thanks. Like, you know, because like, you can really role play into this one. And that's why I really liked it. I thought it was neat. Mm-hmm. Or you could do that thing that people do where they say it's okay, but then they complain about it. And he didn't thank me. And, like, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> but I did that for him. Yeah. Obviously, it's not okay. I mean, he clearly doesn't know it, but I just want you to know it. That, like, <laughs> I did it for him. <laughs> Okay. Um, I I don't know. As far as uh, for me, for a plot hook, I like Sequester. It was the favorite thing that I didn't know existed. And then I looked it up 
Did you guys What's get a sequester? Trans- sequester is you essentially drop someone immediately. This is a non-concentration spell. You drop someone immediately into a state of um, suspended animation and they become invisible and you, no one can detect them with the divine magic. And the suspended animation lasts until you tell it not to. Or you have dispelled it yourself, but it's not concentration. So, for example, I can say like 3,000 years from now, if he has not been bothered, he will wake up. It's a sleeping beauty spell, right? Mm -hmm. So, But you become invisible so people can't target you, right? Or they have disadvantage to hit you. So when you go into your death saves and you have failed too, and I'm like, oh, shit. For some reason, we don't have a healer. We're out of potions. I'm just going to drop this seventh level spell. Bang. There we go. You... Poof out of existence as far as all the enemies are concerned. Yeah. Just like, oh, wait a minute. Weren't there five of them? Yeah. There's only four now. Okay. I could have sworn we knocked one of those guys out. But then... Does it have to be a willing creature? Or is no. No, 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 no. It's... You just hit someone and and they, they go unconscious and they go into suspended animation. And you can say, until the word mayonnaise is said in their presence, you, you can give it anything <laughs> you want. Right? Until someone walks in and says, moist. Do you, oh, Can you moist. please make that like the action word for any time? Do you have to determine <laughs> up front what will what the trigger word is to yeah. bring them back? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then what it does is it they don't heal in this time. So even though they're technically like chaining long rests together, they are just in suspended animation. So when they come back, and if they take damage, they will come back. Well, that is better than an idea I had, which was just to petrify them. It depends on how you petrify. Flesh to stone won't kill you, but Medusa will, right? Yeah. Like, so that it depends on how you petrify them. Yeah. But um, no, I like I like that idea for sequestering in that moment, and I think it trumps gentle repose as well. Yeah. Um, but it immediately complicates matters because now you're playing weekend at Bernie's with an invisible corpse. Yeah. Right, and so you're dragging this guy around, and don't let him take any damage. Don't do not drop him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it, it adds like a stressful you have an situation invisible to dead it, body. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I like the idea of giving this as, as one charge and a wand to a low level party. That makes sense. And yeah. then giving them someone they have to rescue and murdering the person as they get to them. And now they've got to get this invisible body back to town. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that was a good tactic, especially in the game that that we played together with you as the DM, Adam, was that you. It didn't allow a lot of resurrection spells or healing spells that like formed any kind of like raising the dead, essentially. Mm-hmm. But you did give us tools that if something was to happen, it was like a one shot. Like it was yeah. your one chance to use it if you really wanted to. So it's almost like, do we use it? Do we not use it? Like the whole, I did you a favor type thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do I bring it back? Do I not? But I mean, unfortunately, in most of our character deaths, the bodies were too gone and we couldn't do anything with them anyways, but that's not here or there. Um, but I thought that was a really good tactic. Like, what Megan's not that. saying is that she could have resurrected you at any point and chose mm. not to. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> but I just thought that was a good tactic for, for balancing it out where like we did still have that sense of fear that death was there. Yeah. But there were ways around it if we fought for them. Yeah. Yeah. And the players that were getting in trouble were like, well, you know, you we have that item. And the other players are like, are like well, <laughs> well, they're just like, huh? What? I don't know what it's talking. my turn. I can't talk on my turn. <laughs> I need to find out what spell I'm using. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Let's go around the table again. Instead of spells, what is the plot hook that you would put around resurrection? Terry, you rolled highest. Okay. So 
when it comes to literally resurrecting someone. Not death saves, not using spells, but like, hey, we're going to bring someone back from the dead. Yeah. No matter how long it's been, sometimes it has to be within a minute, sometimes it's within 200 years, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, what's What plot hook as a DM are you injecting into the game around resurrection? Yeah, I know there's a lot of different ones. I like something where there is a consequence to it or it seriously has a shift in the dynamic and it causes people to... Uh, to, to think a little bit harder. Uh, I really like vampirism. I love the idea. Of, and I know we've done it before in our game. How many times have we told you to stop biting people, Terry? <laughs> but I, I fucking love that. It's <laughs> just bringing a player character back as a vampire. It's a sex thing, isn't it? It's, uh, it is not, this is not a Dan level sex thing. Okay. No, this is not a Dan level sex thing. Though I do love. Do I want to know girls. what a Dan level sex thing is? Dan used to play Vampire, vampire the, the Masquerade. Masquerade. <laughs> And we accuse him of, of making it a sex thing. And he's Dan. like... Yeah. <laughs> no, when I asked him... When I, I wish this him, was a visual medium said, so they could see the look on your face right I now. said, let me ask you a question. Dan, is it a sex thing? And there was an audible pause. <laughs> and I went... And it didn't matter at that point what his answer was. He I just kind of breathed it heavily. It was strange. <laughs> I knew it was. Good, 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 good. But yeah. so vampirism, you're... Yeah, I, I love that because it gives... There's 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 pros and there's cons to it. Yeah, there's some extra boost in certain stats. Um, there's a different dynamic that you need to think about. It doesn't need to be permanent. I was going to ask, do you have this like a lycanthropy curse that can be undone under some circumstances? Yeah, I would I would DM some way where it can be undone. If, if they've gone vampire spawn but not full vampire, they can be turned back something like that. Yeah, maybe? exactly. Um, but I like, but that the shift dynamic that comes with vampirism, uh, I love it. Hmm. Interesting. Megan, you don't? <laughs> I don't hate it. Um, werewolves are better than vampires anyway, I know. Yeah, but. I'm I'm more on the werewolf side of things than in the vampires. You guys are, what was it, team... Oh, team Jacob is the werewolves, and then Team Edward is the vampires. Okay. I was, I was absolutely okay. the wrong in demographic. In my defense, I was in prime age when that book first came oh, out. No, oh, yeah, yeah, you were the target demographic. I was the target show, audience yeah. when yeah, that right? came out. Oh, I was definitely all. the vampire books. I would be like Team Armand, I think. <laughs> yeah. Lestat. Okay. <laughs> and Rice get, get together. <laughs> Fuck, I feel old. I'm Team Dracula, guys. Like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that ages you a little bit, but that's fine. Um, no, I was more into like um, the reincarnate. Um, mostly because it's, uh, for any of those who don't know what it is, essentially it's the ability to reincarnate a body after 10 days, but you actually have to re-roll what the body looks like. <laughs> you, you, you re-roll you re their race. Yeah, the you re-roll the race of yeah. the character. So it, it completely changed it. Like, can you imagine Wait, it's waking random? up? Uh, yeah, it's a D100. Are you taking the body from somebody else? Or no, no, no. It, no it materializes in front of you. Yeah, it, yeah. So it's a D100 that you this. roll and it's on the table for whatever race you end up being. So you do get reincarnated as How many options do you have? Like you go back uh, as it, a Bollywood? It, it, is, it is all of the subclasses in the player's handbook Yeah, is is what the options are. However, as a DM, since then we've had Volos and the DMG and yeah. so I would expand it. it. I, I would have I would have higher percentage being like core races. Yeah. But then still a the, lower the, percentage. The highest percentage, I believe, is human. Human variant isn't an option, which is strange. Yeah. But anyway, so what was what was your plot hook there? But like, I just I just thought that it would be great being a just a, like a PC, and then your character dies, and then I feel like because it's such a a weird high level spell, it wouldn't be your characters that could do it. It'd be something your characters have to adventure to do. Mm -hmm. So kind of like how we had to fight for weapons that would give us those abilities. You would have to find the one person in the world that knew how to do this. So you have 10 days to find this person. 
Okay, like, so that's kind of my theory here. And then I, they would try and go and find this person. And if they're successful, they don't know what the spell does. And then all of a sudden, this person wakes up as a completely different person or a completely different body. And then you have to go through that whole engagement between your characters of what that's like to reintroduce this character. Do you, I love do you it. split all the options up so that you've got genders as well? For the spell itself? For, for the new body? Yeah. It doesn't actually have a table for it. No, I know, but I would you? do it this way. I would do it this way. Yes, I would make... If you had that spell, if a player had access to that spell, that's fine. Yeah. But if you were going outside to a third party, I would let that NPC say to them, I can do this, but you need to bring me the body that you want me to put this soul into. Yeah. Bring me the body and I'll put it in. All right, so ah. so here's my question. So you've chosen to play a wizard. Your wizard dies. They're going to reincarnate your wizard. Yeah. But you were tiefling because you got a bonus to your intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. You get brought back as, let's say, a Goliath. Yeah. All right, so you're all strengthened as a dex or... Con- I don't know. Anyway, so... But you're not intelligence-based. Yeah. How do you reconcile the fact that you are dumber? <laughs> right? I, I get, like, your muscles aren't as big because you've gone from Goliath to Cobalt. Right? I, I get that. That yeah. makes sense. You're used to being able to lift up that table with one hand, but you can't anymore. Yeah. However, how do you justify... No, man, you just you just don't know as many spells because you're dumb as fuck now. I would probably try and I don't know if it would work with Goliath. I don't know what their capacity is for this, but I would put it as your um, capacity for intelligence is less. It's like coming back as a dog. You just you physically are not able to be that intelligent. I I would do that too. Um, you know what I would say because I don't want to cripple the the player. I would say you know what your modifier stays the exact same as it is, but it cannot grow until you put the ability score improvements into it. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like that would be a DM decision at that point because the spell does say that it, you have to adjust your traits accordingly. Yeah, so but, I feel like that would be a table choice, especially if you're making it a third-party character that's making this happen. You can kind of wreck on that a little I'm, bit. I'm trying to remember which one it is. But there's then again, there's I, one race in all of 5th edition that actually has a negative modifier. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember which one it is because I think it is to intelligence or charisma. But can you imagine being the bard that now suddenly is a negative modifier to charisma? Can you do your job? Yeah, what do you do now, right? Yeah, I guess. But I also love the idea of what was maybe like an aged um, halfling, gnome, human, wizard with really high intelligence is now a minotaur. But acts the exact same, still has the spectacles, still really <laughs> loves reading books. But but yeah, but my point is that the mental stats sound like they're the same then, right? Yeah, yeah but... So not adjusting, just actually being able to... Or maybe even... Well, I would probably roleplay as kind of like an act, but nobody nobody wants to let on that they know. Yeah. You know, that, that, that not smart. <laughs> your charisma score goes up, so you're just basically like, I am very smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your charisma score goes up. You're convincing people of your intelligence. <laughs> I, I, I do know, but you don't need to know. Right? Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. I, 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 that's just, that's just, just called playing a DM. I only read... I, only read, uh, I do know that rule, but we're going to do it this way. But we're going to ignore yeah. it completely. Oh, you're doing it the old way. Okay, I was trying a new yeah. way. From, uh, yeah. in, 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 encumbrance, did you say? No, 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 not in my game. Yes. <laughs> encumbrance, I'm not one for vegetables, actually. However... Yeah. <laughs> all right, so so my, my unique plot hook around resurrection is resurrection is all about the fucking diamonds. Right. Make diamonds rare. Mm. You want to resurrect somebody or you want to even have the ability to cast revivify. You can get it at third level, but there's a material component here. I hand wave a lot of the material components. If you have a component pouch or a holy symbol, I'm okay. Like you're, you're good. Yeah. Right. However, when it comes to diamonds, I'm like, well, when did you get those where and how much did you spend? Yeah. Because I want them to be able to sit there and be like, hey, you know what? I just blew up 5,000 gold pieces worth of diamond dust. I don't have any more. 
what are you going to do? I'm just taking notes mentally to be like, next Adam game that I play, make sure to buy diamonds. That's that's already a thing <laughs> in our campaign. Guns. It just hasn't come up because we don't have anyone Healy right now. That's true. But it was in the previous Aranith, uh, Jess's character, um, the ranger. She had some some stuff and she had, uh, I believe it was, she had Strahd's necklace. What was it that Strahd gave her? It was uh, a he gave her a ruby necklace that he could see through. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what it was. But you said that there were some small diamonds in it. Yeah. When she came through in this world, I said, those are all the diamonds in this realm. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they used about a third of them to bring back a character. So there's like two more shots with that, right? Yeah. So, so there it is. Um, this is normally where we jump to a shout out. Um, what I would like to do, see. Okay. So my girlfriend is from the States and she says that I say shoot oot. Did I just say shoot out? It's more. I always thought it's more like showed out. Showed out. It's like show. If you want to do it in Canadian, it's shoot out. It's not shoot like gun. It's no, like shoot oat, like oatmeal. Oats. Okay, shoot meal. Yeah. We're, all right, we're gonna do shout a. Out. We're gonna do a shout out to. See, now that just sounds dumb. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm working for our. First of all, yeah. Don't let them tell you how to speak English. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Should I let the Brit? Well, yes. Terry, <laughs> the person from <laughs> England. <laughs> We'll confirm English. <laughs> okay. Um, so and not New England either. I, what's the difference between English uh, between England and Britain? Oh, would you guys like to know the answer? Yeah, to I, I know. I know what the United Kingdom is, but what's the difference between? England I'll and tell Britain? you all. North America, shut up. Pay attention. <laughs> Great Britain is an island that consists of these three states: England, Scotland, Wales. The United Kingdom is a nation that consists of the island of Great Britain, Northern Ireland. And some foreign territories, including the British Virgin Islands and the Falkland Islands. There you go. Okay, and England is one of the countries on the island. It used to be its own country. Now it's just a now state. Now it's part of... Well, what, what do they call it? It's not a province? It's a... It's it's called a state, but not a state like an American state. No, okay, yeah, obviously. So. Uh, but it's yeah, England, Scotland, Wales is part of the island of Great Britain, the island of Great Britain is one of the places included in the country of the United Kingdom. So if you are born in in Wales, you are British, yep. but not English. Correct. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. You're like, now I know. Yeah, <laughs> you're Welsh. I will forget that by this time tomorrow, but I'm... It's true. I'm, you're Welsh. Have you ever heard Welsh as a language? <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. It sounds like they're singing. It's oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just Faye Newfoundland. Yeah, That's it's what like, it is. but it's like an Faye-Newfies. ancient language, so they don't have like some regular words so they would just say like I don't know what nonsense they, you know, I don't think they have a word for like car and stuff for or internet so in the middle of like speaking they will drop the English word for internet it's pretty funny yeah. it's like hey, what's your Wi-Fi for your yeah, yeah. yeah. but then some people <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But that's all you'll get is Wi-Fi oh, or like okay. fucking or something. All right. Oh, anyways, fucking b- Wi-Fi. B- back, back to the shout out. I'm hyper aware of it now. Okay. Um, first and foremost, I believe we just ran a commercial for the Deep Dark of Radiance. But I want to say again for everybody listening, we're super proud of this. Go check it out. It is um, it's taken hours and hours and hours of work just to edit all of Terry's bullshit out. And leave in only the necessary bits. I believe it. Every single time you tried to use a French accent, we cut it out. <laughs> every single time. <laughs> and every single time that you said you walked anywhere, so we bad. added in a sound effect. Of the clip-flop feet. <laughs> it was, the French accent was so bad. And like when I went back and listened to my French friend speak, I was like, oh, it was nothing like that. Yeah. It's like, like Dan trying to do it. Uh, what, what was he? Uh, the Bronx? No, he was Irish originally. And he, he ended up coming from Irish. New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so... 
So yes. check that out. But I mean, Megan, you have an Instagram account. I do. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And no one has ever heard us talk about it. So pimp your shit. All right. So you can follow me personally at, at Omega, but it's spelled zero M-E-G-A zero. Um, you'll find lots of lovely video game things there as well as when I do my hair really well that day. Um, <laughs> oh, so you're like Terry then? Yeah. It's Without the video it, games. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> Actually, I was going to let my hair down. I'm going to let it down. Go on, oh. Megan. Carry on. I, are you trying to beat my hair today? Is that what you're trying to yeah. do? Yeah. I, mean, I feel like it's a competition Try. on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what you'll find there. Also, lots of D&D stuff for when I post things from games that we play, um, as well as some other games that I'm in. So if you love anything video games, please follow that. Do you want to pitch your other groups besides us? I would love us, to. Maybe? Yeah. So um, I do play um, online video games on Twitch. So if you feel like following us on Twitch, we are three gays, one girl plays. Uh, we've been playing. Is that all one word? It's all one word and they're numbers, not words. So three gays, one girl three plays. Three gays, one girl plays. Um, on Twitch. Uh, you can also, that handle is also used for our Instagram. So you're more than welcome to follow us there. Um, as well as on Facebook, but we're not very active on those kinds of things because we're not very famous yet. So, uh, oh, let's get there. You're not active on Facebook. <laughs> we are not. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like our Twitter page. You're not ranting about elementary schools you're or really selling not, essential oils. No. <laughs> um, but on there, we do play a lot of Final Fantasy online, um, and MMO games. We do sometimes film us playing D and D and any board games that we love, like legacy games. So you'll see us probably playing, um, like Pandemic Legacy and things like that. So if you like board games, D&D, or video games, you can find us and watch us play that every Monday night at 8 p.m. you want to pitch it one more time to, so they get the handle? Um, three gays, one girl plays. And those are numbers. And those are numbers. Cool. Excellent. Megan basically does what we do, but better than us. Yeah. So. I, I wouldn't say that. Go that far. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> are, we need more gays. That's, that's what it is. That's really the hook, actually. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no one goes there to watch me. It's just everybody else. I, I'm actually the odd one out, so it's a really weird <laughs> oh. place to be. Oh. Um, okay. All right. Let, let's get back to uh to it. There's one more thing that I want to talk about, and that is the implications of resurrections. Okay. When resurrections exist in D and D, it cheapens the concept of death. When people are being risen from the dead, why do we have graveyards? Why are we not cremating fucking everything? Right? If people are dying at sea, what does that mean if they're, if they can be reanimated below, like, are there undead armies walking along beneath the sea? Uh, did you know that you can actually go to the moon in D&D? That is actually a location. Oh. I'm sorry, what? You can go to the moon. Is there Dungeons only one Dragons. moon? Um, as far as I'm aware, there is, the moon, the way that we have the moon, okay. right? Um, but God knows I, what your homebrew world can have twelve, right? But I know that there was a famous wizard that actually had the clone spell on the dark side of the moon, and so whenever he died, he, his clone would come to life, and then he would get into a teleportation circle and come back to the to the world, right? And that's part of his like canon that wizards put together. Um, actually, I think it was before Wizards of the Coast actually bought it. Um, back when Gygax was still running everything. So, um, like, that breaks open a whole new realm of, of possibility. Why do we still play with character death and hit points if death is cheap? Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to bring that up because I've seen player attitudes and metagaming and stuff say, Meh, you know what, I have enough hit points. I'm going to just take a couple of levels in Barbarian so I can rage out. So when it gets really scary, I can just, you know pop up the the rage factor and now I essentially have twice as many regular hit points, right? How does this affect a game? 
How does this affect the, the attitude, and how do you counter that as both a DM and a player? Do you guys right. want to roll initiative on sure. this? Sure. I'm not doing very well. Seven. Today. Megan got eighteen. No, Adam got eighteen. I got an eight. Oh, you got fifteen. No, you got fifteen. You're all oh, wow. 15. I, nobody got eighteen. I don't <laughs> know why I said that number. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one wearing glasses today, Megan. I, that's why I leaned in, even with my honestly. Glasses, as it gets later like, and like the light gets bad, I can't see shit. So oh, yeah? anyway, yeah, I, I used to trust everybody else on the roads doing the right you thing. Be driving? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm gonna leave first, yeah. and then no, <laughs> then leave let me be in front of you. I don't know. I don't know if I want to watch you. Yeah, because no, but if you're gonna stop at the light, it's no guarantee I'm going to. So <laughs> touche. <laughs> All right. So speaking of fucking danger, um, I myself like to remove the concept of resurrection. Mm. I make it very fucking rare in my game. Um, or I will ramp up the idea of, of the danger being there. So things like, and I'll be right up front about it. The bad guys will still hit you when you're doing death saves. That is a factor here. Yeah. Um, just because you're unconscious doesn't mean that you are not targeted if you are in the radius of the fireball spell. You are still going to get hit by that shit. You're still going to lose a death save because of that. You're still going to drown. You're still going to... Yeah. yeah, and and I change, I've changed the drown mechanics as well for my own games because I think it's ridiculous that you can hold your breath fighting for like 75 rounds. Yeah. Um, depending on what you're... Is that the actual math? Well, it's it's three plus your con modifier. Oh. No. Your con it's modifier times con two yeah. plus three minutes. Oh, so like you're... <laughs> Your fighter's like, I got big lungs. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah he's there for 130 rounds Even if underwater. my personal Terry car modifier was zero, that means I can still hold my breath three minutes, and I know I cannot. So <laughs> Yeah, so so I have changed that to, while you're doing combat and strenuous things, it's rounds, not minutes. Yeah. Cool. Right? So that makes sense. That's how I've done it. I think um, Ghost of Saltmarsh has redone that rule mm-hmm. as well. I'd have to look, but they've got some drowning mechanics in there. Good. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know. That's me. I, I I have to make it more deadly. Yeah. Um. Because it's it's easy enough. I it is damn near impossible to kill a level fourteen party without stacking the action economy against you and using the like we I use the environment a lot. We always talk about using the environment in our games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And I will have a battle at at the edge of a cliff and then kick you off the fucking cliff. Right. So hey, this round you're gonna take. What is that? 80 feet? That's 8d6 damage, right? Which, I mean, doesn't work on a monk, but works on everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are there are some things that I'm always trying well, to... Depends what's at the bottom of the fall, yeah. does it really? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but uh, but that's, for, that's me. I'm consistently looking for high danger, low resurrection. But that's not for everybody. There are some entire subclasses... That are built around the ability to stand back up. How do you handle that shit? Right? Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm just targeting that player more. I, I, I have a social agreement. When Jamie was playing a barbarian, mm-hmm. and he had just fucking buttloads of AC and hit points, and he could rage. I said, yeah, okay, fine. I need you to be at the front of the party then. Or my guys are just going to get smarter. Mm-hmm. That's it. My enemies will get smarter. They will have better tactics, and I will hold you face down in a fire. Yeah. Right. And that there's, that's not a mechanic. Die in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> I held somebody face down in the water once, but I never thought about doing it in a fire. So that's actually food for thought. Are you talking about that in Carry. real life or in character? Carry on, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the kind of thing. Now I'm thinking about acid, and I'm very excited about it. Right. Yeah. So. Um, 
Very excited about it. Very excited okay. about it. I'm very nervous the more excited you get. <laughs> no. Every time you say I'm excited, my nervousness increases by that amount. You should know that you will be fine and the um, black dragonborn necromancer that's resistant to acid is fine, but our little gnome friend is in trouble. Yeah. Oh, good. Also very nervous the more you get excited is the title of your sex tape. <laughs> my sex tape? <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, my sex tape? I don't know what the rules are here. Tyler, my sex tape. It works better when Dan's in the room. Yeah. You just throw that out. Okay. Dan just takes it. Megan challenged me. <laughs> Nobody's ever challenged me before on this. I feel like this is the weirdest day for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you pulled your hair down. You have a beautiful lion's mane. Oh, Thank sorry, you. Hold on. Let me just. Whoa. And Megan Get wins. Back up there. <laughs> Hold on here. I like All to right. do the side. Uh, Megan, you're up next. <laughs> I have to. I have a side shape. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, no commitment issues. Though. I love that you mentioned environment quite a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I do feel that if you are metagaming a character and specifically rolling it to survive with all your high stats, um, and you're really just kind of going in with a character like that, as a DM, you kind of have to find a way to mitigate that. So, And I'm going to say this with a heavy heart, but adding grapples... And oh, yeah. <laughs> that's there right. has never been a character more grappled because how do you deal with the paladin yeah. where just every save they shrug off they've got a high AC because of their armor class and they have a d10 hit die right yeah, exactly so grapples if you're in a forest plants that grab like all that like grapples work really well yeah. for that kind of a concept restricting movement is huge it's big for that kind of I character. think you gotta hug every session for 14 sessions oh, in a row I just yeah love hugs and I hope that my sarcasm came through because I'm just not into it um, but yeah, uh, so using the environment to that aspect as well, and you already kind of spoke to like the elements, so like drowning, so having water, so having that danger of that fire, things that cause damage over time, um, that you as a DM don't have to actually hit with a character. You can actually say, well, you're still on fire, so please take your 1d6 of damage. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you can chip away at their health without actually having to hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that that's a really good balance to like stay with that danger and almost... I don't want to use the word punish, but really just give that character who built their character to survive the fact that just because you have so many hit points and because you built your character that way doesn't mean you're invincible. Yeah. Right? I can find ways to kill you. We have an entire episode coming up about attacking the character sheet. Yeah. And all of the different stats that are on there that you can, as a DM, have a fucking run at. Yeah. Right? Um, and I'm really excited to get to that one because I've got some devious ideas. But I think that you're absolutely right. Like, that is that is where you need to start looking is, yeah, this guy's got 150 hit points. They act like 300 hit points, and I have to beat an AC at 22 to get to him. I'm going to kill his wife. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. No, you're right, though. Absolutely. Or or cripple them to make them feel helpless so that they cannot help everybody else. Yeah, Yeah. or or scar them so badly that, yeah, man, you are the best fighter in the realm, but you're now the hound from Game of Thrones. Yeah. right. You walk into the bar and everyone goes, oh, shit, it's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because right. I think my paladin in that game has the most scars next to Loki. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, he's just a walking scab. Like, she was actually dropped in a fire at one point. Like, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but like... Oh, I remember. Like, like, just picked up by a bird and dropped into a fire. And I was like, whoa, well, <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> Anybody have any aloe? Yeah. But I feel like environment and elementals is kind of how you can kind of mitigate that sense of danger. And I get... I love playing games that are high risk. Also high reward. Like Russian so, roulette. Yeah. <laughs> I don't play that in real life, but <laughs> sorry, do you? Huh? What? <laughs> I played it I, hey, I played it five times, I'll never play it again. Okay, good. Good to know. Um, explains a lot. But um yeah, so I just feel like using elementals against 
your characters kind of helps them realize that they are not immortal and that there are things in this world that can kill them that's not just a wolf that's going to come at them face front right yeah so and and you can use plot hooks too that don't necessarily have to be mechanic based yeah what happens when you take the paladin's god away right suddenly you cannot speak to them anymore Mm -hmm. how was it to lose your father's voice from your sword right Uh, you had your father's soul in your sword and your sword got broken died inside yeah yeah so, so character, not like as a person, but yeah, I'm already dead inside as a person. So, there, yeah, as a character. <laughs> that's, that's, uh. Welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Megan. The only person with any semblance of life is Dan, and we're just trying to take that we're away. We're gonna from just him. slowly yeah. chip away at that. Is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Terry. Um, what was your question again, Adam? I'm sorry. This is the, what happens when you go last, right? You just listen to everybody else. Um, when it comes to like the metagaming aspect of. Yeah. Of players just Wait. are not taking it seriously, right? Do you ramp up the the danger? Uh, do you do you just roll with it and you say, hey, you know what? Yeah, resurrection all, all the time. You you will be you know Johnny Twelve Lives by the end of this fucking campaign because you came back over and over and over again. Yeah, right. How, I mean, how do you go with that? I think I might try. I experiment with it in a different way to what I've seen you do. So yeah, you removed some resurrection uh, magic. You were very honest with us from the start about what that meant. I think I might try and keep it in, but lean more towards what Megan said, which was have some sort of either short-term consequence afterwards or even a long-term consequence. Um, and I can't think mechanically right now what I might do. But if you have been resurrected, there seems there needs to be some long-term effect that you have. I like the idea of getting a resurrection curse uh, that can't be fixed with the third level resurrection curse, or even curse. some sort of trauma. Okay, so if you're within, if you were drowned or, or something like that, if you're Sanity within. Score. Yeah, you get, you get your sanity score. Oh, well, even if, if, say, if you were drowned or something, if you were within a certain radius of water, or if water is visible on your battlefield, you need to have disadvantage on something. Or you need to have some sort of wisdom save. Mm. Otherwise, you become frightened. Same thing if it's fire-related, if it's heights-related. This requires a conversation in session zero, because if you spring this upon someone in session 12, they're going to get real butthurt oh, real quick. Yeah, and, right. and, and I'd, be, I'd be more than willing to have that conversation. Say, hey, I'm going to leave all the resurrection magic in. That's totally fine. But just as as you will always be afraid of dragons because of frightening presence, you will always be afraid of heights because you fell off a 500-foot drop and that's what killed you. Yeah. And I feel like if you started a game with that as, as a, like a game table rule, I think it would make it more interesting. Yeah. Because like had like Cora, my character, died in that fire, she probably wouldn't want to go 10 feet in front of a fire. Just naturally as a player, I yeah. probably would play her that way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you just made that a rule that now on your character sheet it says that, like, mm-hmm. I think I think it's wonderful. I like that idea. I like that for long-term campaigns. When you're yeah. doing a one to three shot, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's not going to work quite as well. Um, I would probably lean into the, hey, you know what? We're going to the realm of acid, motherfuckers. Let's do this. Yeah. Right? Y'all so. going to melt. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's casting MILF's Magic Arrow. Uh, acid Arrow? MILF's Acid Arrow. He's reaching. That's a... That's I, a, I still haven't picked it up. MILF? <laughs> oh. Ass. Okay. Got there. <laughs> <laughs> this is... See, it's like almost like uh, you can't see the wood for the trees. Don't think of like a complicated joke and what the riddle of the joke might be. It's just in the words. I live in a and t world. It's yeah, so don't overthink it. It's milf and ass. <laughs> yeah, but you were right there with me, Terry. Yeah, you were my target audience. I know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was not. <laughs> Dan just gives me that hatred look, and I was I was waiting for it, and I didn't get it. But that's how actually that's how I knew when we had 
Dan, where it wasn't a worried look. It became, it was leaning towards hatred, and it was like, hate leads to suffering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay, go on, Adam. Speaking of consequences, you need to make your players hate you a little bit, then? Mm. Is that is that where you're coming from? Like, how do you do that without being no, adversarial, just, right? Um, well, no, it's not adversarial if you're honest with them from the start. Right. And it's as long as you make them understand that they're in that situation, not I, because of you, but because of them. I think that the key here is consistency. Yeah. Right. And you have to be upfront with it because the first time it happens, someone's going to be pissed off. But if it happens to two players and not a third one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got to, you, you need to have consistency. But also, you got to let them understand as well. Say, hey, if someone's getting pissed off, hey, we're here because of what you did, not because of what I did. You know, it's like, well, who are you mad at? Me? Why? I didn't tell yeah, you to fucking you, melee you, that giant. Yeah. Your dice failed you three times. Yeah. yeah. Right. I was on your side, man. I do feel that's the hardest part of character death, though, is when it's the dice that hate you. You know? Like, I've done that a lot of times because, like, combat is one of my favorite parts of D&D. I love combat because I feel like that's where I can actually be more creative. Um, well, it's funny. People get more creative when they have the limitations that are very obvious for them to work with them. Right? Exactly, right? And so it's one of those things where sometimes if I'm, like, trying to do these cool things and my dice just aren't on my side and that's what kills me, mm-hmm. I'm just like... Yeah. Sometimes I'll get in a bit of a huff where I'm just like, how dare you dice? I'm more mad. At, I'm not mad at my DM. I'm just mad at my dice for being stupid. Well, it's but. also just mathematics and probability, really, Megan. So <laughs> it's all chance. This is a game of chance. So therefore, play. and life is a game of chance, shall we say. Isn't it just in many ways it is. <laughs> but I think that's the only time where I've ever found it difficult. And any time where I felt like a character death of mine was tough to deal with was when it was the dice leading up to my death saves that it me is the fucking worst when you're having a shit night for rolls and you just yeah. can't land in it can't like, get it there yeah. okay and I don't understand this I would have said that it's worse that the DM put three gnolls against me and the gnolls all go next before the next player goes and the gnolls are all going to hit me yeah but that, again that's dice because it's just initiative Not initiative only, orders everything yeah but like also like the concept of like players also need to understand sometimes fighting isn't always the answer you can run you can create a distraction. <laughs> I can, have never met a player know, that knows that. I had a confused look on my face. Yeah, yeah. everybody's confused. Everybody like, huh? says they know that before initiative, and then yeah. But like at the end of the day, like you have those options. So sometimes I'll have like a battle where I'll have battle something will happen. I didn't do as well as I wanted to do, and I'll go home and I'll think about it. And you know, I could have done that battle like in seven thousand different ways than I did, mm-hmm. and maybe have been successful. I don't think there was a single person that walked away from when your character died, Terry. I'm going to bring that up again. Thank you. Every other player there walked away and I think you did too and said I could have done this better I fucked up yep. and here's yeah. how I, I absolutely fucked and up and I said yeah you all did you could have <laughs> done it I, could, I was literally I went through every screaming in my mind ways in which you could have done it better and every time they chose a spell I'd be like oh my fucking god but, but fine I don't know man as a DM I got more stressed out when you got down to two death saves, like you lost your first one. Yeah. The moment that it starts to become imbalanced with your failures, like you have more failures and successes. Yeah. As a DM, my heart rate is through the roof. Yeah. I am freaking out because I am equally as invested. I spent all of this time prepping for this character. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I got plans. Right? Yeah. That's what you said to me. You like, I had these plans for your character. Well, but your death was an insta death. There were no death saves. Mm, that's true. I think it was turned into a zombie, wasn't it? You were turned into a zombie. Yeah, you ended up... And we weren't allowed to use healing or or any kind of resurrection spells in the space we were in. Yeah, I was really upfront about, like, you were in an anti-life zone There was no life in this place, so I couldn't use any of my healing. I went through every single one to see if there was a way, and there was not. I tried. (laughs) And you weren't even in that hole to begin with. You came down that hole. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Kind of with a gun pointed at your head. Yeah. But, you know. Or a wand, I guess. 
It was a good time. Anyway. Good, good. And I do this for entertainment. So. <laughs> I just do for this fun. for fun. To get away from my stressful life. So It's true, yeah. actually. It's weird how that works out. It is. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's let people know where they can find us in our stressful lives. Um, Terry, do you want to go first? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at sendnoobsdnd. I just started trying to talk to you guys more often again, so, uh, so I might talk to you. You're wild, but... I won't. Megan? Uh, yes. You can find me at Omega O, which is zero, M-E-G-A-A, zero, um, for all those gaming fun and delights. And you can find me at Rusty Styrofoam on Instagram. You can find uh, the entire podcast and our regular stuff at It's a Mimic on Instagram or at It's a Mimic D&D on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. And uh, make sure that you uh, leave us some comments and some likes and subscribes, uh, depending on which platform uh, that you're checking us out on. Our YouTube's actually taken off quite a bit. We actually, I think it was earlier today, Terry sent me a message like, where did we get all of these uh, these new likes from? Yeah. And YouTube is starting to pick up a little bit. You mean YouTube? Yeah. Exa- everyone's always surprised. Audio format on the video Touché. platform. Yeah. So hopefully we hit it from someday. All angles. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully Talk someday. Talk more about hitting it from all angles. <laughs> Boom. Uh, Boom. We'll, uh, we'll get YouTube up and running with some video instead of just our audio format. That's the goal. So. Oh, you mean people have to see your faces? Haircut yeah. time. We're going to have you sit in You're for You're not going to rival this, though. No. No. This is, Dude, I feel like we have try. the same hair. We literally like, have the same hair. We, we, do you know how good Vikings we would be? You should You should do the one of No, I guess. can't. I'm pretty sure you need a beard. I'm spend another two years growing it back out again. That's if, true. If I get bored of it in a week or if I want to change it. So I just braid the side now. Okay. Like, uh, Do you know how to thing. braid it though? Um, down the side is tough yeah. for me, but up on top. Sorry, Adam, we're wrapping the show. We're, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we're talking about hair. Yeah. Vikings. <laughs> this has been another episode of It's a Mimic where you never know what you're going to get. All right. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. Any other role-playing games that you like to play? Besides Final Fantasy, and and you have such an extensive history with other role-playing games. And I'm honestly just asking right now because I want to know what some of the good ones are that I've never heard of. Um, so, what am I trying to think of? Can um, you explain to Terry why the Final Fantasy has, like, 13 parts? So why it wasn't why actually there's a never final... actually a Final Fantasy? Because uh, everyone is a different one, and everybody has their own Final Fantasy. Do you see what Adam did there? I didn't actually <laughs> ask you that question. Adam posed it as though he wanted to know You're the like, answer. I don't actually give a shit. You know, I, I, <laughs> and then you sort of started to go into, like, a lecture. As though I should have known. Let me as give you some kind of philosophy. Obviously, Terry, because of this reason. I'm like, Get I didn't it. even ask that question. I legitimately know the answer to, to, to that as well. What's the answer? The company was going bankrupt, and they did a whole bunch of fantasy-level RPGs. They are going bankrupt. It was a SquareSoft originally. Square, SquareSoft originally, and then yeah. got bought out. Yeah, and uh, and so they were going under, and they're like, "All right, this is the last one. This is our Final Fantasy game." Yeah, and so they called it that, and it blew up, and it was huge. And they're like, oh, "Well, shit, okay, Let's Final make more. Fantasy too, right?" Like, wow, yeah. So, but like to add to that, I don't just play regular Final Fantasy. I play MMO, like online Final Fantasy. So. I play with other people. I play with other humans. So, so Megan, I'm not just alone in my basement, I'm just you guys. Not alone by Megan, myself. Not to turn the internet against you already, and don't worry. I'm sure they already love you they, more than me for sure. <laughs> Which, in your opinion, is the best Final Fantasy game?
Oh, Lord, this is very controversial, uh, but I'm very proud to stand Why it. is this such a controversial it question? Is. It really every, is. Every nerd has every a really Every nerd is. has a different one. That's why. And with a new group, if somebody asks you, it's like you look around the group like you don't want to answer it. You're scared. You're very, you, you are very scared to answer because you're waiting to get like hijacked by someone else's emotional feelings. So. Yeah, I, I, am, I stand proudly by my answer. What is your answer? Six. Eight. See, oh, you I like Terry. eight as well. Yeah. Like Terry. <laughs> eight and ten, I like. I liked it. Ten was too linear. Although I like the leveling system with the spheres. Anyways, that, that's that's not the point of it. Ten was very linear. Yeah. But, yeah. but I don't know. I like the soap opera por- portion of eight. I thought it was more character driven. Yeah. But I like it where they end the fucking world two thirds of the way. Uh, spoiler alert for a game that's thirty yeah, years twenty years old, ago. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't played it yet and you're not going to, then too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, I really liked that. I thought it was cool. So. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think Final Fantasy VIII was the first one where I actually had a boss battle that inspired a lot of creativity when it came to my D&D gaming. And I think that's why I came Who is that? Who is the I don't remember her name. Battle. It was the queen. One of the witches. It was, it was, in, it was in between disc two and disc three. That's okay. all I really remember. Shit, yeah, different um, discs. But it was that. one of those boss battles that you knew you were going against your big bad boss. Like, it was the evil queen. This is your, your final chance. It was the middle of the parade. Oh, you, shit. I know what you're talking you about. Jacked up it's on like a float or something, Yeah, it's right? on a float in the middle yeah. of a parade, and you jacked up all your characters because you're like, this is it. I'm going to crush this bitch. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, so that's why I paused oh, a little nah, bit. Oh, we did it for the first three episodes. No. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and you, I was just telling you about the semen segue from an episode that's true. or two ago. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, we won't do that. Good. <laughs> I mean, you can. It's fine. <laughs> that's why Dan isn't here right now. He's on a segue. It's only funny when we do it to him. <laughs> The yeah. Segway or the? <laughs> I was imagining like the Segway that you like ride along. On. Yeah, that's, ah, that's the joke. That's yeah. how we oh, get that's you. That's how we get I you. I just picked up what you put down. Um, <laughs> Giggity. But yeah, so you you build up your characters to go into this battle, and it's like one of those battles that you're supposed to lose. Yeah. But if you've never played the game before, you don't know that. Yeah. You're gonna spend three hours trying to kill this thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you get a spike through your heart, and I'm like, I just spent. Two to three hours of my life doing this. Yeah, resetting before you die because you know you're going to die. And then also it goes insert disc three. And I'm like, you bitches. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. That myself. I did that. Well, that's what I liked about Final Fantasy VI because they did that to you where you're like, oh, hey, we're going up against the boss, the bad guy. Here it is. This is this is the end. Yeah. yeah. I've explored the whole world. I've got all 14 of the team members together. Everything's good. You go up against them and they whoop your ass. End the world. You lose. And you pop up as a side character. <laughs> yeah. In the next part, you're just like, they get you don't what? Oh, anyway. anyway, anyway, speaking of fucking over characters, uh, let's get to the actual um, topic of the day, which is I dropped my die. That no, no, wasn't the topic. That's not the topic. Oh, no, the, sweet baby angel. <laughs> this, this is all about my my therapy. I, Here. I need to thank you. Um, we're talking about character death today. Oh, my favorite topic, I think. Character, not player, Terry. Character death. Well, just character player people. Do you know what I was thinking actually on the drive here? Not to interrupt your cold open, we can cut it out after this. You know when you drive past houses and you fantasize about the people that might be locked up in the basements? I feel like every day. I yeah, feel, always Harry. <laughs> I feel like there's good houses around here for that. It's gated as well, so they won't be able to get away. It's up a hill in the winter. You can go months without anybody. The fucking hill keeps happened. going as well. By the way, my, oh, uh, my GPS I, I was the, like, I live in the Outlook Hotel, right from my GPS was like it. in four point one kilometers. Turn right. I was like, I'm running out a hill. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're not. No, I'm not. Did I say Outlook? I'm an Overlook Hotel from The Shining. Mm. But not yeah. not your browser. I feel like no. there needed to be some kind of a music in the background while I was climbing that hill. Yeah. Like, it, this needs to be a little more ambiance than what I'm going through oh, right now. Oh, it's 
this is prime serial killer. It is. And, and it's very suburban, so you. no one would know. <laughs> like, you. it's perfect. I've really tried to find the right neighborhood <laughs> for serial killer. Very proud of you. But, yeah. Uh, yeah no. It doesn't, it, we don't get any more north than this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is it. And you can see now, and it's like D&D Day, and I'm like, guys, I can't make it. I'm snowed in. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'm literally up a fucking mountain. Yeah.